Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Let's get into the, into the Word of God this morning. Today, we, we kind of get to a point in the story that covers uh, 10, 10 chapters in the book of Exodus. Obviously, we can't cover all of that. Um, so I kind of want to just begin by say, uh, setting the stage of what's going on. The Israelites have witnessed, at this point, the glory of of God, right? They've seen the, the work of God, the hand of God uh, upon their lives when God brought them out of Egypt, and, and, and he's trying to mold them into becoming his people. Now, when you come into the kingdom of God, did you know that there is a transfer of ownership that takes place? Or when you leave the kingdom of God, there is a transfer of ownership because Jesus said that we cannot serve two masters, right? So you either serve one or the other. And so we could either choose to to serve ourselves, uh, serve our our flesh, which will only take us so far, or we can choose to serve the eternal one who will take us into eternity, right? But there's a difference between serving the things of this world and serving God. Serving the world doesn't really require anything special. It doesn't require any set of rules, regulations. Um, It's very, it's kind of uh, anarchical in, in a sense, right? There's no, there's no order. Maybe that's why so many people are drawn to it because it doesn't command anything of you. Uh, you can kind of do whatever you want, whatever feels good. And, and, and that's, that's, you'll, you'll be okay. But God's different. God likes order. He is a God of order, right? He, he, he doesn't like anarchy. And so if Israel is going to be the chosen people of God, there are going to be laws that govern that position, that status. It's kind of like when your parents say, Hey, if you're in my house, you're going to live by my rules. Right. It's not because they're they're being mean and they just want to give you a bunch of random rules. Right. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe some parents do that. But but for the most part, it's because your parents are trying to adopt a certain culture in the in the household. And if you're going to be a part of that family, you have to adopt that same culture. You have to respect it. Right. And so in order for Israel to stand out from all all the other nations, God commands them to do things that no other nation is doing. Have you ever read the Bible in the Old Testament? And you're like, what? Why? Why this law, God? I mean, it's not for us. It was for Israel. But but I, I get a lot of questions like, Ryan, why, why did God um, tell the Israelites uh, to not shave, you know, not trim their beards? And it's like God was pretty extreme because he was trying to adopt a, cer- a certain culture. He wanted the Israelites to stand out. So he commanded them to do things that no other nation was doing so that when people saw the nation of Israel, they would see God behind it. And so God tells Moses, Moses is the one that's been communicating with God. He goes up to the mountain and he comes, he comes back down and he tells the elders what God said. And, and uh, the elders relay that message to, to Israel. But God decides to do things a little bit differently this time. Instead of speaking to Moses directly, he wants everyone to hear. He wants the entire nation to witness his presence. So if you have your Bibles, Exodus 19, 9 through 11, that's going to be our first of of a few passages that we're going to read. Exodus 19, 9 through 11. And I'm going to ask that you just be, you be present this morning. Amen. You You be attentive. You be here. Anybody take notes? Anybody, is anyone a note taker? Heather, <laughs> no, notes are good. Let me tell you why. You, you got to learn how to be a note taker. And I'm not getting after those who don't take notes. But, but it's good to take notes because we forget things a lot, right? And so whenever, like, whenever I'm going to attend a, a, something that I know that I'm going to get something out of, whether it be a seminar, whether it's 
you know, spiritual, spiritual related or not, uh, whether it be a sermon, whatever it is, I'm there taking notes because I, I don't want to forget certain things. And so when, when someone comes up here to the stage and I'm, I'm not tooting my own horn or anything, I'm not, whoever might be behind the message, they're bringing truth. Right. And they're they're making they're bringing something that is is supposed to make your life better and change your life and, and and call it to holiness. And sometimes we forget. So it's good to write things down. Amen. So I encourage you guys to be note takers or just take out your phone and record the sermon, whatever, whatever works for you. Um, anyways. OK. Awkward. Exodus 19, 9 through 11. It says this. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak to you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them t- today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. Okay. I've entitled today's message, getting prepared. There's an event here that's about to take place where the presence of God is going to be seen by the entire nation. But, but in order for that event to take place, there are preparations that need to be made. There are rules that need to be established. There are boundaries that need to be set. Because in the Old Testament, you can't cross certain boundaries to get to the presence of God because you will instantly die, right? So they have two days to prepare. And on the third day, the presence of God is coming. And the scripture says they washed their garments. They, they got everything. They got their house in order because on the third day, God was coming. You know, a lot has changed, I think, since the time of, of the Israelite wandering, right? The, the biggest change is, is that of Christ. He came to be the ultimate sacrifice. He atoned for our sins. And now there are no boundaries. Amen? There are no boundaries. We can approach the presence of God face to face without, without being put to death. Christ made that possible. We take that for granted sometimes, I think. But we don't, we don't just have to see God's presence at a distance, right? We can actually get there uh, up, up in front and center and experience the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But look, just because the method, just because the method in which you get to God's presence has been made better, that doesn't mean that we can't still prepare to enter it. You didn't get that. You didn't get everybody prepares, right? Just because the presence of God, just because Jesus tore the veil and we can approach the father without being put to death. Right. It doesn't mean that we still have not uh, the, the ability and the need to do our due diligence. We have to prepare to enter the kingdom of God, the, the, the presence of God. I don't know if you've ever been to a, like a concert where you didn't know the band um, or maybe maybe it was like a like a pre-show before the main band and. And they're getting up there and they're singing their songs and, and you have no idea who this band is. So you can't, experience, you can't get the same experience. Everyone else around you, they're singing the songs. They know the songs. They know the breaks. They know the ups and downs. right? They know when the song ends. They know the, the meaning behind the songs that were writ- written so it speaks to them more. And you're, if you're just a guy who's just there at the concert, you're not getting the full experience. right? You can't, you can't engage with it. Maybe you can bob your head and I don't move side to, I don't know what kind of concert you're doing this at, but, but you're, you're kind of dancing a little bit, right? But, but the guy next to you is completely consumed with this experience because he knows who the band is. He's, he was prepared. He, he learned the lyrics. He's, he's listened to the songs. He know, he knows what the song, uh, what the band is about. And so the same thing, when you enter the presence of God, you might get some form of experience, but you're not fully engaged. 
that song that, that the worship team is singing, maybe, maybe it sounds good, but it doesn't speak to you the same way that it does to the person next to you. Maybe you can, you can sing the words, Lord, I will trust in you. Lord, I will lift your name on high. But unless you're doing that on a daily basis, it's not going to speak to you the same way because you're not prepared to receive the, the power of those words. You haven't lived it. And maybe you didn't prepare yourself this morning with the expectation of receiving something. So you're just there watching others get their fill. You can't expect to come into the house of God church without having prepared and get a full experience. It's not going to happen. You cannot come into God's presence unprepared and expect to get the whole experience. See, we wouldn't walk into the, to a room to take a test that we didn't study for, right? That we didn't prepare for and expect to get an A. It's, not, it's probably not going to happen. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go into a meeting unprepared uh, when you're supposed to pitch a, an idea or something that, that you've got uh, that, that you're trying to work on, but you didn't prepare what you're going to say. You didn't have a presentation. It's just not going to happen. We're going to fail. But preparation is hard. We walk into the presence of God so many times unprepared. Unprepared. And I will say, again, preparation, it's not something that you just do once, right? It's something that, that has to become a lifestyle. If you're not always prepared, then you're going to set yourself up for eventual failure, which is what ends up happening, happening to Israel. So what we have here in the next, cha- uh, the next few chapters are the law-giving chapters. Chapter 20, God gives the Israelites the Ten Commandments. Uh, and in the chapter that... Uh, that are given to the Israelites that will establish, establish them as God's people. And while Moses is on the mountain talking with God and the people are below they're they're again, they're experiencing the presence of God, but not fully yet. They're experiencing it as much as possible during, during the time before Christ. And, and you'll notice that there's often one law that is always emphasized in these, in these 10 chapters. And that's idolatry. And it's the very first of the 10 Commandments. This is a this is a commandment that God. I mean, He really takes seriously idolatry. And I have it up here, uh, Exodus twenty, two through five. It says, "I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the the earth. You shall not bow." down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Idolatry was a very common thing in these days, right? We talked about this a few Sundays ago um, in our first message where the Israelites, they had become heavily influenced by, by Egyptian paganism. They, they were there for over 400 years. So they adopt a lot of the customs. And one of the customs in Egypt was to make carved images and worship them. And, and so what God is trying to do is he's, he's trying to make them, again, he's trying to make them his people. And so if you're going to be my people, I am going to be your only God. And so what he does is he goes to Egypt and he shows the Egyptians and he shows the Israelites who the one true God is. He takes them out. He, and the Egyptian gods, they don't stand a chance, right? And, and he, he holds back the seas and they cross, they cross the Jordan and they, they witness a miracle by God, God alone. And so he says, I don't want you to go back to where where you were before. 
Do not have any other gods before me. I am the only God that you need. I am the best. I am the biggest. I am the mightiest, right? And it kind of sounds like a little egotistical, but I think you kind of have a right to be egotistical when when you are the, the man, right? This is the creator of the heavens and the earth. There is nothing greater than him, and he's just speaking truth. Do not have any other gods before me. And this is how the people of Israel respond to this command, along with all the other laws that were given to them. It's chapter 24, 3. I want you to pay attention to this, man. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules, and all the people answered with one voice. One voice. They were in unity. All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. That's what they say. All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. That kind of sounds like a, like a game changer, right? Because like, like something new just happened. Like, like reformation just took place because they were, they were witnessing the voice of God. And they were hearing the roaring thunders as, as God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. And they're over here and, and they're at a distance, but they're witnessing the, the, the presence of God. They're seeing it. And I can just imagine, I mean, imagine if, if there was such a thick cloud in here, the presence of God, what would you be feeling? What would you do? There's that song I can only imagine, man. The first time I heard that song, I, I was like, I was in awe. Like, what will I do when I'm standing face to face with my creator in the presence of God? Will I be in awe? Will I fall? Will I, will I cry? Will I dance? What, what will you do? And so the Israelites, they experience the presence of God. So much so that when God says, I want you to do these things, and I want you not to have any gods before me, they say, yes, Lord, whatever you command, we will do. From this moment on, things are going to be different. From this moment on. It's like when you have an encounter with God and you accept him into your life and, and you, can, you, you commit to never doing the things that you did before, right? I, I've been to those types of services, man, where the presence of God is thick and I hear God calling and I respond. Have you ever been to those services, man? And then you walk out of service like feeling so refreshed and you're like, you're, you're, you're quoting the, the, the speaker. You're on Facebook Live like, guys, I just got out of a crazy service. It was awesome, right? And then like a week later, you're back to doing what you were doing before. Nothing really changed. You just had a cool experience at church. I'm getting somewhere. Nothing really changed. They had a beautiful experience. They, were, they witnessed the presence of God. They saw it with their eyes, and they were like, yes, God, whatever you say, we will do. Because this is a game changer. But nothing really changed. We'll see that in a little bit. But this is why we don't, we don't need special, different types of services where we bring in a different speaker and a different band. We sing different songs and we have a different format. If the people who are going to attend the service aren't going to live differently once they leave the service. I've seen people, look, I've seen people delivered at the altars, and, and everyone around them is giving the victory to God. I've seen people be delivered from their anxiety, and they go outside, and they're still living anxiously. And I've seen the Spirit come upon someone, and it's been, they, they've had a transformative experience, and then they go outside, and later that night, their flesh transforms them right back. What is really changing? Are we, are we just having experiences that don't last Come on. I'm passionate about this word, man. Because I don't like just having church. I don't like it. Why? What's the point? 
of just having church with no real change happening? What's the point of having someone, you know, deliver a message week after week? And and what's the point of listening to a song day after day after day if it does nothing to your spirit? I think there is a missing ingredient for real change to take effect, and that is constant preparedness. Remember that constant preparedness. You can't prepare yourself just one time for an encounter with God and then fail to prepare every day thereafter. See, the nation of Israel, they did that. They had this awesome encounter with God. They see him in all his glory and they're emotional. They're in awe. They're they're like starstruck, right? Because they see the presence of God. And then when God commands these things, they're like, yes, Lord. But look at what happens next. Moses takes off to the top of the mountain for 40 days. He leaves Aaron and Ur in charge, and the people get tired of waiting. And eventually the hype wears off. And they don't seem as committed as they once were a few weeks ago when they saw the the glory of God. So what happens, right? When when God seems to be absent from our lives, we, we, we let our spiritual lives get sloppy. It's been a long time, God. I want a service like that one service that we had a few months ago. Where... Right after I left that service, I started reading my word every day. I started praying. I started fasting. I I started just 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 really feeding my spirit. But then I but you made me wait too long after that. And so I got a little bit sloppy and I stopped reading my word. I stopped praying. I stopped doing the things that I was doing before. And the fire just died. That's what happens when we fail to prepare ourselves, church, for an encounter with God. Every day we fail to expect it. God, it's been years since I've since something good has happened in my life. I'm convinced that nothing good is happening. And now it's me who has no reaction to that worship song. Now it's me who can't get excited about anything that the preacher is saying. And we let our spirit get sloppy. And when that happens, we revert. We go back to the way that things were and what God calls us out of. If Will's in here, I'm going to have him come a little early. I want, you to, I want you to look at what Exodus 32, 1 through 5 says. Remember what the Israelites just said. God commands all these things, and they're like, yes, Lord, as you command it, we will do it. We're there for you. And look, man, look at this. This makes me mad when I read this. It says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this, Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in the ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. That man, that. Like that literally hurts me because I mean, maybe I'm, I'm not, I wasn't in their position, but I read the scriptures and I see the amazing thing that God did and how he's trying to mold them to be his people so that he can get them into a better place. He's doing it for them. And then God makes them wait a little bit. And so they say, you know what? Let's make our own gods. Because we can control our own gods and we can worship them whenever we want and we can give them the credit. And I can't imagine what God is thinking. I mean, no wonder God gets so frustrated all the time with these people. 
And this just goes to show you how, how fickle we are as human beings, right? Like one day we're, we're so impacted by an experience with God. We get, we get on this spiritual high and then we vow to change everything about our lives. God, I'm, I'm going to do things differently from now on. I vow to trust in you more. I vow to, to read my word more because the experience that I had, it was a game changer. It was a game changer. But then that experience, it just kind of lessens to a memory and we revert. I don't know if I'm speaking to any of you. I've, I've been there, man. I've been there. I've been in beautiful services, beautiful services where I'm like, God, and I, I break down. I break down. I literally start crying. I'm like, God, I'm so sorry for the way that I've been. I'm sorry for not trusting in you more. I'm, I'm sorry for not seeking you every day. I'm going to do it from now on because this experience has changed me. But there's more to it than one experience. Church, can I tell you that this is why people find Jesus and they, they abandon him? It's like they pick him up and they drop him right away. Because they found Jesus at church where the environment was right, where the music was right, where the preacher was saying the right things and, and the people were kind and they were laying hands and, and they were so encouraging and the atmosphere was right. So they found Jesus. But that same atmosphere is not properly prepared for them at home. So they lose it. They prepare to receive Jesus at church, but they fail to prepare to receive him in their household. You know those people, man. They post on social media, man, I need some Jesus today. I'm here at church to check in, right? I'm going to get my praise on. But the Bible says that, that the most high God, he doesn't even live in houses made by man. So that means that, that you can get that same experience in your home, in your car, in your job, at your school, wherever you are, there he is because Jesus tore the veil and now we have access to God wherever we are. You can make an experience for yourself wherever you go. I don't want to play church. And maybe... You prepare every Sunday for an encounter with God on Sundays. You, you put on your Sunday best. You put on your, your perfume, your makeup, your cologne. You listen to worship music on your way to church. You get your coffee. You pray before the service, and you're like, God, get me this morning, God. Transform me this morning. But then you fail to prepare yourself outside to receive him every day. You're setting yourself up for failure. You're just going on, a, on an emotional, spiritual roller coaster. And that is not what the church needs. We don't need to be the church inside. We need to be the church outside. And this is where people mess up, man. When they, 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 they prepare for an experience, that's great. I believe that we should prepare for experiences. I believe that we should fast for certain outcomes of, of services. And, and if we're going to have a worship service, let's, let's fast and let's prepare and, and let, let's get everything right. Let's, let's, ex, let's prepare for an experience. But that's only going to take you so far. What we need in our walk is to prepare for a lifestyle that reflects Christ. The Israelites made the proper preparations when God came. They, they got ready. They had two days. They were like, all right, we're going to wash our garments. Everything's going to get set. You're going to fast. You know how everybody fasts when there's like a prophet coming to church, right? You got, hey, you got two days to get right. You better go and sanctify yourself in some holy water. <laughs> And we prepare for an experience. We prepare for a service. 
But what about our heart, man? You got to prepare your heart, church. You got to prepare your mind, your way of thinking. So I want to ask you this morning, church, and you all, only you know the answer to this question. How prepared are you? Not just this morning, but for a lifestyle change. Are you prepared when the situation changes? Are you prepared when everything in the bank account gets drained? Are you prepared when that loved one dies? Are you prepared? Is your heart ready for stuff like that? Well, you're still going to call upon the name of God because I am prepared in season and in out of season in church and in outside of church. That is what we need. That is the type of preparation that God commands of us. I think about Paul, man, the apostle Paul, who had such a transformative experience with God. But he could have just went blind for three days and, and then three days later just kind of go back to being Saul. He could have said, wow, what an amazing experience. God, I am going to change my life and I'm going to live for you, Jesus. And then a month later, he's back to doing what he, what he was doing before. But Paul made preparations to be different. To be different. And I want to tell you this morning, church, on your journey, getting there, God wants to take you to new glories. Do you believe that, man? Because if not, what, what are we doing, man? We're just walking in a straight line. No, I don't believe that. We're, we're walking in elevation. We're going places. And God wants to take you to new things. He wants to present better opportunities before us. But if you're not prepared into, to live in that new glory, you're just going to fall right back down. We need preparations in our heart so that we continue to grow in our spirit, we continue being the man, the woman that God has called us to be. So from this moment on, church, I want you to prepare for church. I want you to expect and experience with God. Every time that you come in, I want you to shower for the love of God. Amen. But when you go outside, prepare your home, prepare your kids, prepare your state of mind, Prepare your, your household in every single way that you can think of so that when, whenever the enemy wants to attack a certain area, you're, you're ready to go. You've got it prepared. And he doesn't catch you off guard. I hope I spoke to you this morning, man, because God spoke this to me and I was like, yes, Lord. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeriglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.